from John chapter 19, verses 28 all the way to 42. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that, their, that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it was, has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as it is the burial custom of the Jews. Now the, now the place where he was crucified was there, crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. So I want to ask the kids if they are ready. Okay, so we are going to be talking and the Word of God will be speaking from the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 28 to 42. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come to your Word today, we humble ourselves and ask that you open our hearts and minds to receive your message. Guide us by your Holy Spirit and help us gain a deeper appreciation of the sacrifice you made for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So good morning, everyone, especially the children. It is a joy to see our little ones among us, eager to learn and to grow in, a, in their understanding of faith. And today, we're going to embark on a journey through the Gospel of John, chapter 19, and we're going to be exploring the profound message of the sacrifice of Jesus 
and how it relates to our lives as young adults, as parents, and as children this morning. So let us, get it, let us get ready to explore together what God wants to speak to all of us in this passage. The Bible is full of prophecies about Jesus. And this passage shows how Jesus fulfilled all of them. Imagine the excitement of a treasure hunt. Prophecies are like hidden clues waiting to be found. And that's what we are going to do this morning. In the, in the passage we find this morning... The first prophecy fulfilled is in verse 28, where Jesus said, I thirst. I thirst. Although it's, it may seem a simple phrase, it carries deep, deeper meaning. I thirst wasn't just about his physical need, but a fulfill of a divine prophecy written in Psalm 69:22. Thousand years before this psalm was written and was specifically talking about Jesus. And Psalm 69:22 says, They gave me sour wine to drink when I was thirsty. Can you imagine, boys and girls, thousand years before this was written, and Jesus was exactly at the, side, at the right place, at the right moment, when this happened. This prophecy became a reality in verse 29. If you go with me in chapter 19, verse 29, it says, so they put a sponge Full of the sour, sour what? Sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. In this moment, the prophecy about Jesus was fulfilled. So that is the first prophecy. But the second prophecy we find in this passage it's related to the book of Exodus when God instructed Moses to let the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. You remember that event? Moses told the Israelites to sacrifice a lamb during the Passover. However, there is a fascinating detail that we should take note of. Exodus chapter 12, 45 Moses tells the people that when they sacrifice the lamb, they should not break any of its bones. And later, in Psalm 34, verse 20, the, the psalm prophesies about Jesus and says this. Pay attention to this because this is quite amazing. Psalm 34, verse 20 says, The Lord protects, talking about Jesus, the Lord protects all their bones. Not one of them will be broken. 
The fulfillment of this prophecy is evident at the cross where the Lamb of God was sacrificed. John 19, verses 32 and 33, it states that the soldiers broke the legs of the two criminals who were crucified along, alongside Jesus, but they did not break Jesus' legs since he was already, already dead. This is a powerful connection that we see in the scriptures. Jesus, who was the perfect Lamb of God, hung on the cross with, bro with unbroken bones, fulfilled the, the prophetic requirements of a perfect sacrifice, just as the Old Testament foretold. It is a beautiful statement to the divine plan that points toward Jesus even before he was on the cross. Could you see these beautiful fulfillments of prophecies? But there is, one more, there is two more. We cannot ignore Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, which says, look what this, this verse says. They look on me, on him whom they have pierced. Isn't that amazing? According to a prophecy that was made many years before, it was foretold that Jesus would be pierced. This prophecy came to life in John 19, verse 34, when a soldier pierced Jesus' side. The piercing was not a random occurrence, but rather the fulfillment of another prophecy. You see how in Jesus all these prophecies were fulfilled. Lastly, we cannot overlook the prophecy on Isaiah 53, verse 9, which foretold that Jesus would be buried, buried in a rich man's tomb. Look at Isaiah 53, verse 9. It says, And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. This was prophesied long, long, long before this event on the cross. In the burial of Jesus, in, a, in an expensive tomb, we witness the fulfillment of another, of another prophecy. And as Jesus was crucified, four specific prophecies were fulfilled. This gives us great assurance that Jesus was indeed the person he claimed to be. And he accomplished everything foretold in the Old Testament. We cannot have any doubt that Jesus was the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb who was crucified on the cross for us. And now let's take a look 
of some of the symbols that we find in this story. Symbols are like pictures that help us to understand something better. And the first picture that we see here is during the crucifixion of Jesus, the Roman soldier, the Roman soldiers offer him sour wine using a hyssop branch. This act was a vivid picture of the Passover ritual where the Israelites used hyssop to mark their doorpost in Egypt with the, with the blood of a lamb. Do you remember that? Yeah. He who wants to be saved, they need to put blood and they use a hyssop to put blood on the doorpost. The use of hyssop during the crucifixion of Jesus emphasized that he was the Lamb of God, that he was the one who was offering his blood to bring salvation to all those who believe in him. Can you see this picture? Hyssop, the first Passover, and hyssop when Jesus was dying on the cross. But there is a second picture that we see in this passage. The second picture is the timing of Jesus' crucifixion as a remarkable event. It occurred exactly on the Passover day. John called the high day, or John called it the Sabbath. So this was a very, very, the very, very day when the Israelites celebrate their first Passover in Egypt, marking their liberation after the sacrifice of a lamb. So John, here in the gospel, weaves these symbols into the narrative, pointing out, Jesus was offering his life on the same day when Israel was freed from Egypt. Isn't that amazing? Just as the Passover lamb brought freedom to the people of Israel, Jesus, the lamb of God, was given, giving freedom to his people as well. His sacrifice, his blood, and his life offered on the cross were for the freedom of the people of God. Beautiful pictures that John is describing, is, is putting in this passage. But now that we, that we are marvel at the beauty of these prophetic fulfillments and some beautiful and vivid pictures, let us move to our second part. The second part of this passage help us to have no doubt that Jesus really died on the cross. In this narrative, in this passage, John is trying to emphasize that Jesus did die. And this is very important because if Jesus didn't die on the cross, then everything we believe in, like our faith, like our salvation, like our forgiveness of sin, would be meaningless. We would be believing in something that is not even true. 
So this passage confirms that Jesus totally died for our sins. So we can rest assured because three strong testimonies leave no room for any doubt. The first testimony that we find in this passage about the death, death of Jesus is the testimony of the Roman soldiers. In verse 33, we read, But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. These soldiers, let me tell you something. These soldiers were professionals when it came to crucifixions. They could spot life from death like nobody else. Typically, they would break the legs of the crucified to speed things up. But when they checked on Jesus, what did they see? A lifeless body, plain as day. So they decided no leg breaking needed. It was clear for them that Jesus was dead. Their attention to to detail didn't stop there. In verse 34, we see the soldier drive a spear into Jesus' side. Why? Why do you think that they did this? this? To confirm Jesus' death beyond doubt. Not only did they verify his passing, but that very act of piercing Jesus' side would have stopped any flood of blood into his heart if he had been alive. So they were making sure, but they weren't cutting all blood flow into his heart. So first we have the testimony of the Roman soldiers, right? But now we have the testimony of John, the writer of this gospel. The writer of this gospel testified to Jesus' death and affirmed that Jesus fulfilled his mission. John is acting as an impartial observer. Looking verse 35, what it says. He who saw it has borne witness. And he continues saying, His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth. And the purpose is this, so that you also may believe. You see what what John is saying here? I was there, and I'm telling you the truth, and I'm telling you this because that will help you to believe in what Jesus did for you and what Jesus did for me. And lastly, we have, first we have the testimony of the Roman soldiers, second we have the testimony of John, and lastly we have the testimony, a triple testimony, 
We have the testimony of Pilate. We have the testimony of Joseph of Arimathea. And we have the testimony of Nicodemus. Pilate's authorization in verse 38 for Joseph of Arimathea to take Jesus' body's body confirms that he believed that Jesus was dead. Any mistake on Pilate's part could have had serious consequences. Do you remember why Pilate sent Jesus to death? To death? Because of political reasons. So if he's give Jesus' body without being dead, he would be in trouble. So there is Pilate. Second, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, both prominent religious leaders, spare no expense in honoring Jesus' death. Joseph provided an expensive newly carved tomb, while Nicodemus contributed with an astonishing seven pounds, 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe. And pay attention to this. The collective value of their contribution is estimated to be around 150,000 U.S. dollars. Between the new tomb and the 75 pounds, they were around 150,000, I'm sorry, U.S. dollars. They gave that because they were sure that Jesus was dead, no doubt. So these unmistakable signs and testimonies collectively provide a solid foundation upon which we can stand without a shadow of doubt. Jesus willingly surrendered his life and his death was a reality that changed the course of history forever. There was no doubt. And because there is no doubt, we can celebrate today. We were saved because he was doomed on the cross. But now let's explore one last thing that we find in this passage. The transformation of those who witness these divine sacrifice. There were people there who, present, who were present when Jesus died on the cross. And the first one that we heard is the criminal on the cross beside Jesus. This is not in this passage, but we find in the other Gospels that this criminal hanging beside Jesus, before his death, he pleaded 
to Jesus to be included in his kingdom because he witnessed the transformation power of the cross. He was very sure of who Jesus was at the cross and he was asking Jesus, Jesus, I want to be with you in your kingdom. At the cross, at the cross, he was sure about Jesus' identity. But second, we have the Roman centurion. Do you remember? In Mark 15, we find the confession of the Roman centurion who says, this is truly the Son of God. One says, he is the king and he's Kingdom is eternal. This one was saying, he is the son of God. And he too, the centurion, experienced a transformation, recognizing the divine of the one he crucified. You see how people at the cross is being transformed and lastly, we have Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Joseph and Nicodemus, once secret followers of Jesus, cast aside their fears and risk their reputation to provide a feeding burial for the Savior. At the cross, seeing Jesus dying, they were transformed. They came out of the darkness and they said, doesn't matter what the people will think about us. We believe that he is who he claimed to be. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Lamb of God prophesied since the beginning. They were transformed because of the cross of Christ. And so, my dear friends, the message of the final sacrifice is one of unshakable hope, forgiveness, and eternal salvation. The fulfillment of the prophecies the clear evidence of Jesus' physical death and the transformative power of the cross all points to the beauty and power of Jesus' sacrifice. These people were transformed when they were in front of the cross. And I love the illustration that John Bunyan does in his book, The Pilgrim Progress. When this pilgrim came to the cross, he was carrying a heavy, a heavy burden. And when he encountered the cross, his burden goes down to the tomb. And that has been the experience of many who have encountered Jesus on the cross. Their burdens, their accusations, their sins are sent far, far away because of Jesus. So as we live today, let us carry this message in our hearts 
The cross is a reminder that we are forgiven, that we are loved, and that we have hope in Jesus. And let us embrace this truth and then share this truth with others. And let the power of the cross change our lives. Let's pray. We give you thanks for your son, Jesus Christ, Father. Thank you for his final sacrifice that has brought us salvation. We are in awe of these prophetic signs and symbols that were fulfilled and the undeniable truth of his death on the cross. We are inspired by the transformation of those who witnessed the crucifixion. And we pray for the same transformative power in our own lives. May the cross remind us of your infinite love, your boundless forgiveness, and the unyielding hope that we have in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.